0: The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today I'm very excited to welcome part of the team from Turk Terc, T-E-R-C. And I'm gonna have all of our participants today give brief introductions of yourself. Starting with Jody.
2: All right, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I'm Dr. Jody Asbell Clark. I'm a senior researcher at Turk. Um, Turk is a nonprofit in Cambridge, Mass, that focuses on innovation and equity in STEM education, mostly K through 12, but all ages um, for the most part. And um, I have been there for about 30 years and the last 10, 12 years have been focusing on uh, a team that we call EDGE, Educational Gaming Environments Group. And um, we do a lot of different learning, not just games, but a lot of learning technologies and innovations to reach marginalized learners in STEM. Um, most particularly, we've been focusing on neurodiversity and we'll be talking a lot about that today.
3: I'll
1: let my colleagues introduce themselves first. Well, I'll tell you. Well, um, I- Abraham, you're next.
3: Sure. Uh, I'm Brahim Dahlstrampaki, senior research scientist uh, at Turk as well. Um, my work has, has mostly focused on working with neurodivergent learners. Uh, so prior to jo- joining Turk, I worked at uh, Landmark College, which is a college that exclusively serves neurodivergent learners for about a decade. And uh, I've been with Turk now for about five years uh, and really focused on working with uh, students to find ways to best support their learning in terms of uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Wow.
1: Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Zach?
3: Hi
0: everyone, my name is Dr. Zachary Allstead. I am very interested in how we can use uh, new emerging educational technologies, such as virtual and augmented reality, to help students uh, who learn differently and to make it a more accessible space uh, through these technologies, both in terms of what the technologies do, but also what the students can do for the technologies, how they can design and find new and innovative ways to Um, Implement these kinds of tools. Um, I am also someone who is diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. So I am very um, interested in helping make the educational experience better for the next generation.
1: Excellent. So, from Turk's perspective, what are the connections between neurodiversity and STEM problems, STEM problem solving, so important to explore?
2: So we've been working, as I said, to look at innovative ways to reach marginalized learners. And um, in our work in areas such as computational thinking, which is a big new area in K through 12 education that we can talk about, and problem-based learning, project-based learning, um, all what we've noticed is sometimes with these innovations, it is the learners that may not succeed in other areas in school sometimes become the go-to people. Um, for example, we have a game called Zumbinis, which is, uh, it's been around for 30 years. It's a great, great learning game. We've studied how kids develop computational thinking through this game, and it's, it's a bunch of logic puzzles. And uh, as we were doing this research, teachers were coming up to us over and over again going, oh my gosh, that kid that has been failing is becoming a rock star in in these puzzles. And not only are they doing well, other kids are going to them to figure out why, how they're solving these puzzles. They're becoming a go-to person and a resource. And so their whole identity and stature in the class is changing. And we started to see these snowball effects and wanted to explore the connections between um the talents that many neurodivergent learners have and lo and behold the research shows there's lots of them pattern recognition systematic thinking creativity they're all out there and so we're just looking at ways to highlight those while also supporting things like executive function working memory and self-regulation which may be uh struggles for some learners and uh, rather than sticking to any one diagnosis, we look at these things. What are the cognitive assets that we can highlight? And what are the executive function and other supports that we need to scaffold? And how do we do that to make learners reach their potential, no matter who they are? Help! help I learner. love
1: that whole approach. That's, uh, that's the way to do it. It's strength-based, but not ignoring where you need some shoring up. That's... Uh...
2: Exactly. And it works for everybody. It doesn't matter, but, you know, almost everything we do ends up working for all students. So that's, that's to us, that's really inclusion.
1: Yep. The whole principle being it's not a one size fits all world.
3: Exactly. A lot of innovation in the, in the STEM field, uh, comes from those that think outside the box. Uh, and many new, new or divergent uh, thinkers approach things from a different perspective, and that often can open up whole areas of innovation, um, you, you know, in STEM fields. and uh, And so we we feel strongly that um, finding ways to adapt learning to work for a broader audience uh, is not only benefiting those individuals, but is bringing talent into Areas of of STEM that that uh, really need that energy and creativity and different uh, way of thinking to innovate and grow.
1: anybody else want to add anything to that great overview?
2: I, I'll, uh, I'll,
0: I'll go ahead, Zach. Um, I just want to say, you know, if if a neurodiverse student has had a potentially negative um, experience in their, you know, educational journey. Um, I think that uh, opinion, that perspective, is especially important to incorporate when developing new educational technologies and interventions. Um, so, finding those that have been marginalized and reincorporating their perspectives um, in these kinds of development efforts uh, is really important.
1: So, if somebody wants to take advantage of what you guys have to offer. Who are they and how do they get to you?
2: So, we have, um, there's multiple answers to that (laughs) question. Um, I'm going to start with one, just tying in what we talked about, we're just talking about is, um, so I have an upcoming book uh, coming out with Rutledge, Taylor, and Francis towards the end of this year um, about reaching and teaching neurodivergent learners in STEM. And one of the things that uh, I did to prepare for that book was interview a bunch of um, companies, uh, people, both neurodivergent employees and the directors of neurodivergent hiring programs for in STEM companies these are you know microsoft sap ey the big top global companies and i kind of expected the story to be oh you know the ceo had a nephew with autism or something and that's or some philanthropic reasons for doing this and they just laugh that off and that is not why they're doing it it's the talent they use the term competitive advantage for the last 10 or more years, the, the top companies have realized this. And so what we're trying to do is is have education systems work towards what these this workforce has already figured out. Um, so we have several projects doing that. Um, I'm gonna tell you briefly about one that's called In Fact, Including Neurodiversity and Foundational Implied Computational Thinking. It's a curriculum set of teaching learning materials for grades three through eight um, by going to Turk's website. And um, well, maybe at the end of the podcast, we can give a bunch of URLs because but uh, we will uh, we have open access teaching and learning materials there that are um, for teachers. And um, so, so the books for educators and administrators and policymakers. we have materials for K through 12 um, and particularly elementary um, teachers, educators. And now I'm going to let Ibrahim and Zach talk about a couple of projects that are for different age ranges.
3: Sure. Thanks. Um, we uh, A big part of what we do is uh, co-design, and that is working directly with teams of neurodivergent uh, youth, college students. Uh, uh, sometimes we're working with educators or parents uh, and um, really ensuring that all the work we do is informed and driven by the population we're serving on the one hand. And also ensuring that uh, individuals who have interest in research and STEM and this type of work get the type of work experience and training they'll need to go into these fields. Uh, so for uh, neurodivergent individuals who may be interested in education, design work, uh, working with new technologies, um, we're, we're working with them as co-designers and we have internships that that we we uh, paid internships, essentially, for uh, individuals to work with us. Uh, a couple of the projects that are currently active is um, uh, one project is, is called the NeuroVivid Project, and we're, we're working with the New York Hall of Science uh, and some other uh, partners on developing a maker experience for neurodivergent uh, middle schoolers. Uh, to, to learn the very basics of brain-computer interfaces and uh, how the, the brain works, the basics of neuroscience, um, and it's a it's a it's a new project, but it's something we're very excited about. Um, and Zach, do you want to introduce the other project? Sure. Um, and
0: as I had alluded to earlier, um, the students that. Uh, we work with neurodiverse students just seem oftentimes naturally very capable with technologies. And so one uh, one project that we're working on also is called Augmented EF, um, wherein we're developing augmented reality interventions for students with executive <laughs> function issues. Um, we're co-designing with them, and Brahim uh, described eloquently the process of co-design. So this is developing interventions in these new systems. Now with the release of the Apple Vision Pro, the augmented reality headset, we're orienting towards that. So um, ideally it'll be an app in the Apple Vision Pro to, um, I'm actually in Seattle right now to meet with our software developers to work on this. So um, we're we're co-designing with our students to find the best way to prompt to re-engage students who might be off task to um, uh, encourage and to um, help steer uh, people's focus into a place that they want it to be basically Um, that's a, a little overview of what the tool will ultimately do um, and it is again through this process of co-design designing with the students with executive function issues to try and uh, produce the most effective and useful tool for students with executive function issues
1: well that sounds very very specific so you're you're strength oriented you're helping any of the weaknesses um, what is your uh, economic model for you
3: So we're we're primarily grant funded. So all three projects you heard about are funded through federal grants. Uh, so the NeuroVivid and Augmented EF projects <clears throat> are funded through the National Science Foundation, and the fact project is funded through the Department of Education's EIR program. Uh, and so we're, we're primarily uh, uh, grant funded. We do have um some uh some uh, some work that is published uh, so there is a curriculum the investigations curriculum that's not developed by our team but is a Turk curriculum that's commercially available. uh the zumbinis game that Jody mentioned is also commercially available uh on the app Store uh, but primarily grant funded work
1: and do you work with other organizations?
2: yeah we um so for example the impact project uh the computational thinking project worked with four other university partners um who were expert in education and computational thinking and uh and that and we brought in we teamed uh with landmark college and Now, Ibrahim and Zach have both come to Turk from Landmark, but we still work with Landmark. And so, yes, we we work very closely, sometimes even in emerging aspect with with partners.
1: Great. We interviewed the people from Landmark a while ago. They're doing great, great stuff. Um, And uh, if we have any other potential partners we've interviewed, maybe I'll send them your way as I come to understand more about what you are doing. Because what you're doing is so important. And what I love about it, too, it's when when I meet people who are CEOs of large companies and stuff, I, you know, I say, uh, look, don't do this recruiting neurodivergent individuals to be a goody two-shoes. Do it because it's going to improve your bottom line. It's just a, just a matter exactly. of matching the individual. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: And, we
2: also uh, are launching a site called ND and STEM neurodiversity, neurodiversity in STEM. It should be, it's, it's, it's up, but not publicized yet, but we're, we're launching it in the next month or so. And that is our, our materials about K through 12 education, but also a place for other partners to, um, get their message out and share social media and do all those things that you do these days. Um, so, and there's very few players in this field right now. I think a lot of people are thinking it, but we need to get the message out there, like you said.
1: Can you talk a bit more about how you design education activities specifically for neurodivergent learners?
0: Yeah, um, so I think designing activities for neurodiverse students, um, it's really with neurodiverse students um, in in this context. Um, and I think... a, a an important part about it is making explicit first your assumptions that you are working with and what is actually productive in those assumptions right we we might have assumptions about how an activity is appropriately designed but maybe that's just because it's something that we've inherited and it's um you know maybe actually not very productive for those students so listening listening very carefully to them um and and then meaningfully incorporating their feedback um i think starting in a place that you know places that they love if they're into video games listen to what kind of video games they like and what kinds of um tools are effective to them and especially how they have adapted those tools to meet their needs right Um, if it's organizational tools how are they using those organizational tools in a unique way there's often something
3: really important that can be learned there, and then hopefully generalized. Yeah, and and there's two, I would say, two main uh, theoretical models that help guide us in some of the design work we're doing. So, one is is the the idea of universal design, and uh, the idea behind universal design is is considering the needs of as broad an audience as possible from the get go. Uh, And trying to meet, uh, anticipate and meet the needs of a broad range of learners by providing many different options for engagement, different options for allowing people to uh, uh, gain knowledge or experience what they know through multiple means. Uh, the other other model that really helps guide our thinking um is uh, uh cognitive load theory so the idea behind cognitive load theory is really paying attention to what sort of loads are imposed by the educational intervention we're designing so think about uh for example an individual who who may have dyslexia uh so if we give them uh, an algebra problem using sort of a word-based algebra problem. We know that their processing load is going to be higher for that algebra problem than maybe one of their neurotypical peers. Uh, And so we have to take that into consideration when designing that algebra problem, uh, and maybe look for an alternative way to present the same problem without imposing such a high cognitive load on the individual. Uh, and so those 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 um, uh, theories help guide our design work as we're thinking of ways to make content um, more accessible to a broader audience and play to individual strengths.
1: Uh, since you brought up broader audience, which I think is key, what is your plan for your organization going forward? how to achieve a wider and wider base?
2: Well, um, so one is that we just wrote a mid, we, the um, research that we described for the impact project, the one that's funded by the U.S. Department of Ed, that was early phase research. And we've just apply, uh, applied for the mid phase, which would allow us to scale up to districts and state level um involvement in that in both the dissemination and the research of that product so so the federal funds often enable some of that scale up as research projects the other things that um we're doing we haven't always done as well as we should but we're doing trying to do better is to partner with commercial um, par- partners who, we're not a dissemination mechan- uh, organization. We aren't a publisher. We're not a video game developer, producer, but we know people who are. So teaming up with them and letting them do what they do well so we can do what we do well, which is research and innovation, is, is the ideal on that.
1: Great. And yeah. Anybody want to add anything to that?
3: Sure. I'll just say that you know, Turk's been around since the '60s, and uh, Turk is continually uh, in innovating and reinventing itself. We've been focused on STEM education from the get-go, uh, but we're constantly adapting to the needs of student populations. Uh, you know, reflecting uh, changes in technology, changes in pedagogy, changes in the field, and so that's that's how we've stayed relevant uh for all this time and 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 so we try to keep our finger on the pulse on what's happening in these fields and um and and uh often to be successful as a soft funded organization relying on grants you really need to keep up with where uh the national priorities for national funding agencies and private funders are to be able to 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 stay. Yeah.
2: A really good example of that is um, when Ibrahim received this NeuroVivid grant from the National Science Foundation, they pushed, they loved the project and they wanted the project, but they pushed on intersectionality with um, racial diversity as well. What's happening with the other facets, racial and other forms of diversity? How does that come into account in this maker space when kids are doing that? So, we're so fortunate at Turk to have a breadth of colleagues. We have some of the top scholars in intersectionality research of um in their case, women and color in color in STEM. So, but they have wonderful uh, innovative research methods to 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 um really dig deep into those aspects. So we teamed up with them, and now they're on the project, and we're going to be looking at that those aspects of the project as well.
1: Is there anything we have not covered that you all would like to cover?
2: I would like to tell a story from another project about this co-design. Um, there, there's another project that we're all working on. It's led by our colleague, Tion Edwards, called Universal Access. And it's a, v, a virtual reality project. Um, they've de- developed a game-like game um, like experience, virtual reality experience on which you, when you're on a space station outside Europa and there's all these st- STEM problems to solve, dealing with all the being there and what you're finding there. And these, I'm gonna say these guys, cause I'm just an advisor of the project, but these guys came in and brought the, a bunch of co-designers from Landmark and developed the narrative The the goals were to pay attention to sensory attention and social needs of divergent learners. And they ended up with storylines, ideas about characters that were maybe communicating in a different way than the player would come in and that that communication had to be negotiated as part of the game mechanic. And these ideas that, would you know you? I don't think you hear a uh, game AAA game design team that's mostly focused on neurotypical audiences thinking about those kinds of things. And I think they make them such richer game experiences. So it's it's just an asset of how this co-design team, an example of how this co-design team gives us things that are so much more imaginative and wonderful for everyone. Um, because of their unique perspective,
1: how can people learn more about Turk?
2: So I, I
3: think the easiest way is is to visit our website, so uh, Turk.edu. Uh, and uh, Turk's work, uh, you know, spans a lot more than what we've described here. So, as I said, we've been around since the '60s. Uh, there are many different research teams at Turk. Our particular team, you can you can find uh, more details on at turk.edu backslash edge edge, and that'll get you to many of the projects that our particular team uh, are working on.
2: And edge at Turk and Turk both are on Facebook, and I well Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I'm not sure the status of Twitter or X right now, but uh, certainly those two.
1: And it seems like TikTok is up there nowadays. We're
2: making reels, but I don't think we're going to have a TikTok account for a variety of reasons, but, um, but, but we have, we had a fantastic intern this summer. We had three fantastic interns this summer, um, two at least self-identifying as neurodivergent And um, they, and one of them did a whole social media campaign design for our ND and STEM site, and she's going to come back and help us roll it out. It takes a lot of work to do that. (laughs) And, um, but we really want this message of neurodivergent learners in STEM and the value that that has to, to get out there. So,
1: right. So I'll go around the virtual room and ask each of you this question, which, Has been answered in different ways, but we're going to kind of segregate it a little bit. Um, Why do you personally consider this work so important? And we'll start with Zach.
0: Yeah. So, as a student, um, again, as when I was growing up, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. And one, there were a lot of ways that I did not fit into the educational. System, um, you know, and and a lot of painful experiences in in formal educational environments. And one way that I uh, found a way in was through technology and through games and and um, learning through these kinds of virtual experiences. And so I think this work is really important because um, not only can we make these kinds of tools uh, for students that learn differently. But we can co-make these kinds of tools with students who learn differently. They can be a part of this process. We can incorporate new technologies that they're interested in, um, that we already know that that they find compelling and effective because they're using them, right? That should be the most important question for if we should use this tool is, are they already using it? Do they like it, right? Instead of um, this old antiquated model of, um, I have this idea and I'm going to impose this on, on students and and um, so uh, yeah, that's why I think this work is especially meaningful.
2: Great, Jody, you're up. Um, I think the reason why it's most important to me is because I'm a citizen of this planet and I'm scared and I see huge, huge problems and we need really great innovators who think differently and persist and don't conform necessarily and um and are systematic and great detail oriented thinkers and think of the unintended consequences as well as the intended consequences and when i work with neurodivergent learners i see so much of that there and i just want more of that in my problem solving
3: society
1: very well said ibrahim
3: yeah, I uh, I started out as a cognitive psychologist, and um, I, I sort of stumbled into education and educational research. Um, I'd I'd always felt that um, math and science education wasn't where it needs to be. Uh, many students hate math and science. Many students find math and science inaccessible to them. They, they uh, I often hear students talk about, you know what what point is learning algebra, It's useless, it's difficult, and so on. Uh, and and I, I think it doesn't need to be. And I, and I think the key to making it accessible to the entire student population is really meeting the needs of uh, students who may be at the margins of what we what we see as today's educational system. Uh, And uh, I've always felt strongly that if we meet the needs of a broader audience, uh, we're going to produce a better educational experience for everybody. Uh, So that's really what what drove me into the field of educational research uh, and in working with neurodivergent learners who I think can help shape a better educational experience for all students across the board.
1: Well, this has been terrific. Thank you very much for all you're doing and for spending time. Zach, Jody, Ibrahim, it's been very educational, wonderful, and we hope uh, you all will stay in touch with us here at Different Brains. want to wish you luck on all your future endeavors and keep up all the good work. Thank you very much.
0: Thank Thank you so much for the opportunity. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.